Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Genesis Gathering live stream. It's good to have you with us. We want to give you a phone number that you can use to text your prayer requests and uh, reach us during our question and answer time as well. Actually, it's not a Q&A so much as it is a time of engagement around our topic this morning where you can text us your answers. So that phone number is 720-878-8899. Excuse me, let me back up. 720-878-3323. 720-878-3323. Well, this morning we're blessed. Uh, we've already expanded our music ministry. We have Carol Rojas joining Matthew and Lisa this morning for our worship time. So uh, come on, worship team, let's sing. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome. 
If you're here with us, go ahead and stand up, and we're going to sing some worship. If you're out there, uh, sing along wherever you are, in the car, maybe. Hope you're not watching this in the car. Listening in the car. Listening in the car first. Let's <laughs> sing along. There is no doubt. 
thank you for this day and we thank you for all of the people that are here gathered with us and those that are listening live uh, we thank you for the opportunity to do this and just worship you and come back to your presence father one of the things i love about that song is that line release your love inside of me and i feel like uh, that's really probably the most important part of <laughs> our relationship with god is that he releases that love inside of us for other people uh, it always hits me pretty hard that way, so. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathe your life in me. You've been so, so kind to me. Holy, overwhelming, ever-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Only overwhelming, ever-ending, reckless love of God. Yeah, I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You've been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you made it all for me. You've been so, so Shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, 
I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy for holy moments in our life and we thank you for teaching us and leading us and guiding us and allowing us to sit at your feet and learn from you father in jesus name amen
Ready? All right. And so, Jeff, on that part, uh, so I've asked Matt and Lisa and Carol if they'd come back and sing that same song again after my sermon as we segue then into our prayer, uh, time of prayer. And so, uh, Jeff, you're going to drop out then the video that we have slated for that part. I'm going to have them do that live, please. Thank you so much. Hey, we are in a series entitled Reductive. And this is part four. I know you thought last week was part four. I thought last week was part four. (laughs) But uh, today is part four. And uh, this series is about keeping the main things the main thing. And that's so important in our lives. There are some things that rise above others in terms of importance. And those things need to rise to the place of being kept central in our focus, central to what we are about and how we live and how we conduct our our day. I've chosen the subject of love to talk about today. And the title of the message is, What's Love Got to Do With It? What's Love Got to Do With It? Now, before I get into our message, we're going to entertain a question for this week. It will be on the screen, and uh, Nina is going to make the mic available to those of you in the, uh, seated here in the congregation that may want to answer. For those of you that are watching by live stream, please text us your answer or type it into the Facebook chat uh, window. You can text us at 720-878-3323, and here's our question. If you were to define love in a sentence, what would you say? Oh, oh, let me bring the microphone. All right, so we already have somebody. So once again, Jeff, if you would, put that back up. I want to read it again for everybody. If you were to define love in a sentence, you would say, Hang on, hang on. What? Okay. <laughs> Everything good and God. Everything good and God. Everything good and God. Yes, excellent. I mean, that's a short. That's a short one. That fit in a sentence. Excellent. Really well. Everything good and God. And God. Yeah, that's awesome. You're you're stealing my sermon now, Miss. (laughs) Well, that's kind of what happens every week when you (laughs) ask these questions. That's true. (laughs) Okay, start texting your answers now. There isn't a right or wrong answer here, you understand. We do this each week just to engage with you uh, about our topic and let the best ideas rise, rise to the surface. And then generally speaking, I wind up probably addressing a couple of those um, concerns. Well, you know, we get things. back to that Ephesians scripture that uh, everyone comes with a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. In other words, the body of Christ yes. as a community has the word of the Lord. Yes. Not just the minister. Not just the person up front. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? I haven't seen anybody on Facebook. If you're trying to text me on Facebook, you might want to try my text number, which is my phone number if you have that already. Some of you already have that, 
3323. Sometimes it doesn't show up on my text. I mean, pardon me, on my Facebook page. I don't know why. And then I go sit down and, and Jeff's going on with the sermon and then there's your message. So <laughs> anyway, 720-878-3323. Or if you're here in the sanctuary, I'll bring you the microphone. So here's something cool. While we're waiting for those text messages to come in or for you all in the sanctuary to think about your answer to this, once again, the question is, if you were to define love, in a sentence, you would say, what? All right, how would you define love? So, um, we, we hope starting next week on Sunday morning to have a whole new setup as far as how we're monitoring uh, your input and engaging with you on social media. So, we're going to have additional computer equipment. Uh, Nina isn't going to have to monitor it from, uh, you know, the small interface device or device interface of her phone and then she and I will both be free then just to comment on your responses so okay here's one love is unconditional love is unconditional love is oh, so unconditional Uncon have we ever thought about what unconditional means well let's qualify that especially when it comes to love yeah I, I think we think of God's love as unconditional but mine isn't Yes. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm no, just no, no. saying it's just, that, just, it's true. that human love is very conditional. Yes. Someone said it last week. I, I think it was Tommy was talking about when you have a child, there's something, especially in the early weeks of having a child, it's, it, there's something that um, is unconditional. There, there's some things like they can do no wrong even if they're crying or even if they're disturbing your sleep or whatever. There's just this. I, I just have this overwhelming love. That, that's, kind of, that's kind of a piece of the unconditional description. You've never wanted to give your children away? <laughs> okay. Oh, come on. You, you love your kids so much you've never... I don't okay. believe it. So the person, Jeff, is you the one who said the... love is unconditional. He also says, he describes it with, no matter what happens, God will always love you. That's what unconditional. No matter what happens, God will always love you. Yes. Would that be true of a murderer or someone? What about a serial murderer? Wow. Will God love them wow. no matter what? Wow. Thank you for sharing, and th thanks for being here. <laughs> okay, and then he also said love is unconventional. Well, that's interesting. Okay, Fran says, I'll be there for you. So love means I'll be there for you. I'll be there. <laughs> we have so many songs that yes. could apply. Yes, there's always a song. And think about that, how, how our responses. Go ahead. Yeah how very much our human life has been put into songs. For sure. Unconditional acceptance and forgiveness. Unconditional acceptance and forgiveness. Love awesome. is unconditional acceptance and forgiveness. Acceptance and forgiveness. Wow. I like being accepted. And I think that is, as the first person who commented, uh, love, love is good and love is God, or God is good and God is love. <laughs> Love is good and God. See, so that is the very nature of God's love, accepting and forgiving. Here's, Tanya, I love this. I wish that English had as many words for love as prior languages did. There's, so there's many ways of describing love, apparently. 
Is that what you mean, Tanya? I yeah, wish. well, there's seven or eight to, to ten different Greek words alone for the word, word love. love. Yeah. And so and I think that's what you're referring to, Tanya. And, and so each one of those uh, Greek words has a different nuance or a different meaning uh, for love, and we only have one English word for love, basically. And, and so as, as is commonly the case, when you go into other dialects and other languages, it, it's much more rich, it's, it's much more third-dimensional than English is. And, and love is one of those words yeah. that that'd be true of. Here's another one. I know my love for my spouse is one where I put their needs above my own. Wow, that we would all do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's, that's absolutely excellent. Who, who, I bet who, I don't know how many times we do that as well who, as we should. Who sent that? They're not married, are they? <laughs> who, who sent that? <laughs> okay, here's another one. Love cannot be truly defined because it is all-encompassing. Let's see. And then she said, that was Tanya, and I had asked the question about the many languages. Yeah, yeah, and she meant what we described as. So love cannot be truly defined because it is all-encompassing. Wow. I have a text over here from Matt. So accepting someone for who they are and trying to see the world through their eyes in order to emphasize empathize okay let me say that again so it says anyway accepting someone for who they are and trying to see the world through their eyes in order to empathize that's love I like that my son-in-law is so brilliant <laughs> so, no what, are, you, are we taking credit for that well, because he's related no now? because yeah he's <laughs> He's not of my loins, and so therefore I can't take credit. Now the woman sitting next to him, I can. But here's the deal. You all are so great with these answers each week, and you preach at least half of my message all the time. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm struck. And as you said, and I think this was a really good point, the, the voice of God, the heart of God, God's love, is best expressed in community through mm -hmm. the whole body. Mm -hmm. It's not like I come up here and I have the answer. I mean, what's being expressed right now in this, this question and answer giving engagement time is so like the body of Christ to, to say, Here, here's what God is saying and here's, here's what scripture means to me. That's so important and it's why we do this time. It's why we give like this and, and share like this, I should say. Yes, I love this, that, w that we're doing this now. And a lot of people have. A lot of people have responded to this time and said that they really think that it's important. I think it's and important, too. Again, I think, I think that over the years we haven't acknowledged um, and valued the importance of the body uh, as a whole. And, and how important the community and the body as a whole is. You represent a part of Jesus. I represent a part of Jesus. Each of you represent a part of Jesus. Although we have him in us, we have a part we represent. So we never see the wholeness un until we really bring 
it all together. Yeah, well, and, and, and uh, if I could be so frank, uh, what was mentored for us and what we grew up with is that uh, once the singing was over and the pastor got in the pulpit, that was the voice of God. Right. Listen there. That, that's God's anointed. You know, you, you don't come against God's anointed. You don't question the message or God's anointed because God... Uh, you know, has spoken to that individual personally, and they they have a much higher and better and more accurate understanding of not only God but His Word and, and all things. And it may be that that the person making the presentation is better studied and is better learned, but it doesn't make them more important. Number one, it, and it doesn't mean that they hear from God any better. Right. They've exactly. had more time and more practice, exactly. but it, it, it has nothing to do with hearing from God or that the voice of God speaking to you is equally valuable yes. and equally important, and we want to hear it. We want to bring it in to the life of Genesis Gathering. Amen. Your voice. We want your voice at Genesis Gathering. Okay, here's one. It's kind of long, so here we go. Unconditional love... Oh, unconditional love. So, on the subject of serial killers, <laughs> our Lord God loves them, yet... This is, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time following the wording here. It? Well, it's, uh, uh, let's see. Let me try again. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm having a, but there, there's, there's not the, probably you uh, dictated it into Siri or something like that. And there's no period. So I'm having a little hard time following the thought pattern here. Lord God loves them yet as you're there, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, and children, hopefully, I'm sorry. I don't think I can quite read this. I'm going to have to look at it for a while. Okay. It's just not making sense. We'll look at it and, and uh, find the punctuation of it. Yeah, or yeah. if, um, I'm sure you're listening and you're being a part, whoever yeah, sent this. I'm sorry. If you, if you could, you might want to uh, type it and dictate it. Um, that Or not dictate it, type it and put in the proper punctuation. Right, right. And, prob and probably it's mis if you, if you dictated it, it might have misspelled words like your versus you are, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Sorry so, about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, and I, um, so that's what, and we can, I can look at that and maybe we can talk about it later. Or, okay. uh, that's it for now. Is that it for now? Yeah. Anybody else? Unless there's anybody else. Everybody else has spoken. Okay. All right. Thank you. Well, I think where I want to start is with this idea that the, the single most popular view as well as the most common misunderstanding of love are both captured in this song lyric. Now, this is from the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? Tina Turner made it popular. Listen to this song lyric. What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? What's love got to do, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Right? I mean, isn't that a common description both of love as, as well as in our society? It's a very popular view of love. It's also the most common misunderstanding about what love really is. And even as we look into the Old Testament, we have a very varied view of the subject of love. 
Webster's Dictionary gives us a very varied view of love. So here's a couple of definitions from Webster's. Strong affection, number one, strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. Number two, attraction based on sexual desire. Number three, affection based on admiration, benevolence, or common interests. How many of you can identify a feeling of love that you have had, even recently, this week, based on one of those three things? Very popular, very common definitions of love. So if we look into the Old Testament, we'll find likewise a real variety regarding the reality of love. So here's one, Genesis chapter 29 and verse 20. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. (laughs) Love alters reality. Love takes reality and flips it upside down. And we need to know that about the emotion of love. Because when you're caught up in the overwhelming emotion of love, reality changes. It becomes something else. Here, Jacob works seven years to gain Writes to marry Rachel. It was an arranged marriage. And he loved her so deeply. And the scripture says, but he loved her so much that it just seemed like a few days. Do you remember when you were infatuated during dating? While you were dating and engaged, do you remember that time of infatuation where your partner, your to-be, could do no wrong? And, and everything was on the highest level of emotion and everything was exciting that you did. And now you reflect after a year, five years, ten years, in my case, 40 years of marriage. How many of you know reality hits and love takes on a different shape? It takes on a different definition we, we can't say the same things about love for that individual that we used to feel because love alters reality. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 32. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. So see, culture and family acceptance was also interpreted as love. If your culture accepted you, if your family accepted you, well, then you were being loved. That was very true, especially in Old Testament times and in in those cultures, the Hebrew culture. Here's another one. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. What are we talking about here? An Old Testament concept of God was that his love could be won or deserved through your obedience. Now that would change completely the idea of love. Even the definition offered by more than one individual this morning that God is always good, he's accepting, and he's forgiving. Well, I see that as quite juxtaposed of this very scripture. 
Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he's God. He's a faithful God. He keeps covenant. His love is steadfast with who? Those who love him and keep his commandments. So if you don't love him or keep his commandments, then those things aren't true about God for you. That is the definition of God and the definition of love that I personally grew up with and even went to Bible school understanding. Here's another one. 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 17. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And then that's coupled with Chapter 1 and verse 26 of 2 Samuel. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant has been, hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. I say to you that godly love between same-sex individuals is a reality. It is a spiritual bond that can be even stronger than the love that is felt between you and the opposite sex. And that love is not wrong, it's a reality. David had it for Jonathan. Jonathan had it for David. And David's love for Jonathan was so strong that he said, I mean, think about this now. How many wives did Solomon have? And Solomon was, right, came out of David's loin. And David himself had more than one wife and, of course, then, of course, committed adultery with another whom he desired. A love so strong, a desire for somebody so strong, we wouldn't call it love, accurately defined, but it was so strong that he had, after committing adultery with this woman, he had that woman's husband murdered right and yet he says my love for you Jonathan is stronger than the love I've ever had for a woman pretty amazing isn't it even the Old Testament brings into this definition of love a varied view but there's a single Old Testament phrase It's commonly expressed by the Hebrew people of that day. And you'll see it more than any other in the Bible regarding love. And here it is. Psalm chapter 63 and verse 3 highlights it. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Your steadfast love. Because your steadfast love is better than life. Other words used in other translations are Loving kindness, your loving kindness is better than life. Your loyal love, your faithful love is better than life. Your generous love, one translation says, your mercy is better than life. Strong's Dictionary of the Hebrew says, that this word love here means kindness or steadfast love, loving kindness, means kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. This is the phrase that is used in the Old Testament to speak of God's love more than 
any other. It's in rhyme. It's in rhythm. It's in song. It was sung constantly. And that's why over 150 times in the Psalms alone, the word love is used in the majority of those times. It is this phrase, loving kindness or steadfast love. This phrase alone provided so that the people pursuing a relationship with Jehovah would know and remember that God is a good God. Even in the Old Testament, God's beginning to point out through this phrase the steadfast love of the Lord, that he is a good God, that he's a loving God. We find it in Psalm 100 and verse 5, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever. We find it in Psalm 107 verse 8, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. We find it in Psalm 118 and verse 29, oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then Jesus. (laughs) And then Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus completely redefines why love is the main thing. And he says two key things about love that others haven't been saying. And that we, in our humanity, don't understand very well. It's very difficult for us to embrace. He says, number one, love your neighbor as yourself. Number two, he says, love your enemy. Let's look at it. First, your neighbor. Matthew's gospel, chapter 22. Look with me, verse 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are, watch this now, underline it, based on these two commandments. What's he saying? All scripture is not equal. This that he's telling us supersedes everything written in the law and everything that the prophets said. And what is it? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So with the same love that you love yourself, and you've got to love yourself first, if you have an unhealthy love for you, you're not going to be able to love your neighbor in a healthy way. He says you are to love your neighbor as much as you love or like or do good things for or are kind to or considerate of yourself. Wow, what a flip. What a way to change things up. And to to teach this idea of loving your neighbor, he gives us the parable of the Good Samaritan. How many of you have ever heard of that parable, that story of the Good Samaritan? And you understand, I, I won't read it here, but you understand that the premise of it is, is that somebody falls upon Uh, hard times. Others who are very capable in society walk right by this individual who's laying on the side of the road, beaten up and destitute and poor, 
without means, and a religious person walks by, and a high society person walks by, and, you know, and then all of a sudden, somebody walks up, stops, takes the time, ministers to the individual, puts bandages on their wounds, gets them out of the gutter, takes them to a hotel, puts them up, pays for the hotel, and Jesus uses it to teach and to say to his disciples, so, compared to the individuals who saw this person and just walked by versus this one who did good and was kind and helped him to his own detriment or to his own expense, certainly, who do you think was this person's friend? And, of course, the answer is an obvious one. He was the Good Samaritan, the person who took care of him. Now, Jesus says that's the kind of love for your neighbor that you were supposed to have. Even to your expense, when it's not convenient, when it doesn't fit your schedule necessarily, you and I are to go out of our way to take care of, to bless, to help, to give to our neighbors. As much as we would do for ourselves, and even at our own expense, that's how Jesus begins to define the love that he's about, the love of the kingdom of God, the love that defines the very character of God. We saw this love, kind of love, demonstrated this very week when in one of our local communities, it happens to be a community that's been in the news now as a result of this, it happened just this week, when a good Samaritan tried to help somebody. There was a shooting in a town here locally called Arvada. And somebody with a gun was out to kill. It was going to be another one of these mass shootings. And he did kill the first person. And a good Samaritan ran to help that first person and was armed, pulled out his gun and shot and killed the perpetrator who certainly would have killed many, many more people with the gun and the ammunition that they had. But the police officers who were arriving on the scene mistook the good Samaritan because he had a gun for somebody that was a threat and the police killed the Good Samaritan just this week in our city. Now that is the ultimate price. And I think I asked myself in that moment, would I have done that? Would I have rushed to help the fallen person? Would I have rushed? Would I have pulled out my gun and fired, risking the misunderstanding? You see, love isn't a feeling as much as it is an expression. It's a demonstration of compassion. And so now Jesus takes this and he flips it even further. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, He says we're to love our enemy. Watch this. You have heard that the law says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Now watch this. 
Jesus exalts his words. His words supersede even the law. This is why we reject a flat reading of Scripture. This is why we don't just open our Bibles and read it and say, well, bless God, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, the Bible says a lot of things. And in Jesus' time, nobody believed in the Bible more than the religious people of his day and the church of his day. They were very religious, Pharisees and Sadducees. And Jesus said, look, your own law says this, but I say to you, the words of Jesus supersede other laws or other scriptures, meaning, number one, Not all scripture is equal. Meaning, number two, you cannot read the Bible with a flat reading of it. It has to be exegeted and understood. With Jesus being the central point of everything we decide about God's nature and God's character. Jesus has to be our interpretation of everything that is scripture. And so he says, look, I'm I'm turning this thing around. In your own law, it says to hate your enemy. I say to you, my authority is above Scripture even. Get this. Jesus' authority is even above Scripture. He says, I say to you, love your enemies. Oh, my goodness. And Jesus follows that command with some practical how-tos. Three of them, in fact. He says you're to pray for, you're to give to, and and you are to show kindness to your enemies. So Jesus defines love as a demonstration of self-giving and not emotion. Paul follows this then, and he gives us a wonderful definition of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. My wife was teaching on this passage one time, and she said, you know, the Holy Spirit showed me that where, since God is love, the Bible and the Scripture tell us, God is love, that is His being. He isn't just loving, He is love. Love is not only an attribute of God, God is love. Now, that being the case, if God is love, every time we read the word love in the next couple of verses, substitute God for that and see what happens. I love this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 through 6. Love is patient. Now I'm just going to substitute God now every time I read the word love. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast and God's not proud. God does not dishonor others and he's not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. Boy, you wouldn't think that to read the Old Testament. You wouldn't think that to listen to some evangelicals in their pulpits today. That every time there's an earthquake or a tsunami or, a, or, 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 or something, this, this event that just happened down in Florida, of all places, where this, this condominium collapsed and we still have over 100 people unaccounted for and missing. Do you know there are evangelical Christians that are saying that that was the result of sin? That's the result of people living outside the will of God. That's the result of of a state and a country not being in the will of God. It's such nonsense, people. 
That is not Jesus. Jesus would never say that. And he defines Scripture. He is the interpretation of Scripture. God does, is patient. He's kind. He does not envy. He's not proud. He doesn't dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. And he keeps no record of wrongs. God keeps no record of wrongs. We're talking about what love is. We started this with a question. If you were to define love and just use a sentence, how would you do it? And the woman who commented a little bit earlier was exactly right. God is love. But that doesn't mean anything to us unless we look at that through Jesus. Because to say God is love is very torn and varied and ripped up and upside down and misunderstood because we have this God over here often in the scriptures of the Hebrews in the Old Testament and then we have this God over here in the New Testament and then we have what people preach about God and we have what people write about God and it's really a mess unless you put Jesus at the center of that and say one thing, Jesus defines God. What Jesus would do, how Jesus lived. Verse 6, God does not delight in evil. God does not take delight in a good Samaritan being killed by an officer's bullet on the streets of Arvada. God does not take delight in the condominium crashing down and falling apart in Florida. God does not take delight in you being sick or ill in your body and unable to get to work. God does not take delight in your young children having issues with, with life and problems in life to where they can't function and grow normally. Uh, I'm not saying that those things are, are just all of the devil and, and we should ignore them and, and develop some sort of crazy doctrine uh, about evil and sickness and medicine and all of that. I'm saying don't blame God. I'm saying God is not the author of evil. God is not the author of things that are unjust. L look at it, verse 6. He doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. This is God's love now. So Jesus demonstrates the single greatest attribute to true love. Love poured out, giving love, sacrificial love, the emptying that though he was God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he, 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 de he denied himself of that godhood. He laid it down and he took on the form of a servant, the scripture says. Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians. It's, it's I love this term. I'm looking for the language I've been reading more recently in the past number of months a term that's come out from several authors that I love and admire and respect so deeply in their writings. And they've defined God's love this way, the cruciform love of God. Isn't that beautiful? The cruciform love of God. How do I define love? The cruciform love love of God, a self-emptying love of God. And in that emptying of himself, he condemned sin in the flesh. 
everything that's wrong, everything that's broken, everything that's sinful, everything in the earth that's, that's broken and un, un, under judgment, Jesus took and he condemned it in his body on the cross and then rose again for you, for me. The cruciform love of God. And now Jesus invites us. Jesus invites you to participate in his cruciform love. To give up your life. Even for your enemies. Jesus calls us to give up our life. And to be a seed. And to be sown into the life of others. To be the good Samaritan. To take the risk. To take the risk, some of you, listen to me, you need to take the risk to love differently. To love your neighbor, to love your enemies, to stop requiring that everything change before you start loving. Boy, if somebody said it the other day, and I I wish I had written it down, it was so powerful, so beautiful, that if if you wait for everything to change before you try, You're never going to try. You'll never find the meaning of life. So what love isn't, what love isn't is God being a cosmic babysitter, keeping us from harm's way, making sure we don't encounter difficulty or struggle, and changing our diaper when we make a mess. No, he's a wonderful, grace-filled, loving Heavenly Father who partners with us through this life's journey. You know what love is? It's God creating pathways to His loving character by which we can experience Him and what His love is like. He does it through His patience, through His kindness, through His tenderness, his words of affirmation and encouragement to us. He demonstrates his love by laying down his life and being self-emptying. What's love got to do with it? Everything. It is who Jesus is. It is the very nature of God. God is love. What's love got to do with it? Just a second-hand emotion? No. I understand the feeling, but we're not talking about a feeling. We're not talking about the world's idea or even the New Old Testament's idea necessarily of love. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus is Love. Matt, would you come? And sound team, please. Could we have that prayer? please. Everybody in live stream while we're getting ready to sing, would you go ahead and follow me? Could we just go ahead and and read this prayer aloud? Those of you in the sanctuary, could we read this prayer aloud? We've been praying this the whole year, 
God gave, it, gave this uh, prayer to us at the very beginning of the year, but look how it's applied. In almost every message, it has such particular application, and none more than our understanding of love. What's love got to do with it? Well, Jesus, everything. Let's read it aloud. Ready? Read. Make us less certain about the things of which we are certain and more open to the possibilities that we do not see. Go ahead, guys. Caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Oh, I'm not here for blessings Nothing else will do 
nothing else, Jesus, nothing else will do. Wonderful morning, wonderful morning. Anything with God's love is always a wonderful time. Um, if you have a prayer request, we're going to pray in just a few moments. And the number to text your prayer request to is seven, and that's here true in the sanctuary, 720-878-3323, And I have a problem with my cell phone right now. It's doing a weird thing. What's unusual about that, right? But I have an announcement this morning, a new announcement. Um, we are over the next month partnering with St. John's Lutheran Church and the city of Thornton to fill backpacks for school. And it's, it's actually uh, twofold. There are school items and non-perishable food that we are collecting for the city of Thornton to be able to uh, give to folks. So I'm gonna be, if you're on our mailing list, I'll be sending out a list of things that they're asking for backpacks, but you know it's kind of the normal stuff. Pencils, pens, crayons, markers, um, that sort of thing. So I just want to give you a heads up. We have a month. We want to fill as many backpacks as we can. As a matter of fact, we need backpacks. So if you have backpacks, and they can be new or gently used backpacks, uh, new items for inside paper, 
I'm trying to remember the list that I had read. So just this is our first time to announce it. We'll be announcing it all throughout July. I'll send something in an email to all of you to remind you. And then you just bring it here to St. John's, to Genesis Gathering, and out in the foyer area there are bins to put them in, the things that you bring. They're actually having kind of a competition in the city of Thornton, but we're not so concerned about the com competition piece of that. We just want to be a part of providing for our community. Okay, then um, our tithes and offerings. Uh, again, we just continue to thank you for your giving. And uh, if you're here in the sanctuary, of course, we have the basket there back on the table, not to be confused with the garbage basket next to it on the floor, but you can leave your offerings there. Uh, or all of you are welcome to go to our website uh, and hit the donate button and do your giving there or on our text to give right on your phone, 720-730-8510. So I'm just going to check. I'm not seeing any prayer requests. You can still send them. I want to I wanna, uh, just do something a little different before we pray this morning. I've just had this morning a real sense of uh, God lifting burdens from us. Um, and so I, I even want to recommend something to all of you. If you would, because this is, this is for everyone, not just the specific prayer request. But, and you're not going to do it right now necessarily. To get a piece of paper and write down the things that you're burdened with. Make a list. And it might be one thing. It might be ten things. It kind of depends on where you're at, you know. And fold it up. And if you have a paper Bible, put it in there as your way of casting your cares upon God. Put it in there where he kind of as a symbol of where he is giving those burdens over to God. Uh, I have a really great verse here uh, out of the Amplified. It is that verse, but I want to read it to you out of the Amplified. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries. Do you have worries about your kids, your grandkids, your health, your finances? All your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection, there's that love, and watches over you very carefully. Isn't that wonderful? And so uh, I want to encourage everyone, whether or not you have something really specific or turned in a prayer request today or not, uh, to take a few moments and cast your cares upon him. I, I don't use a paper Bible anymore. This is my Bible, so I'm going to have to write mine down right here. And then maybe I have to delete it or something. I'm not quite sure how, what my symbology of casting my worries and concerns are. But uh, however you might do it, take a moment. Maybe take a moment as we pray, I would suggest. And just take those things and say, Lord, you know I'm worried about this. You know I'm worried about that. I just make a choice right now to just give it to you. And I just have this sense that burdens... And heaviness is going to lift in a special way. Okay, some specific prayer requests. Um, both Christina, who is a part of our church fellowship at Genesis Gathering, and my sister Rosalie are having surgery in the next couple of weeks. We want to pray for not only successful surgery, but peace of mind. We'll continue to pray for Jean's healing, for Diane's recovery from her back surgery. For Hannah and her family, as Hannah is experiencing an unusual 
debilitating disease. Uh, Danielle, who is part of the Paget family, who passed away uh, over the last week for her, she has three children, young, uh, starting at age 16 and down. And then for Rosemary, a good St. John's friend of ours, who had surgery on one hand a week ago and in the last two days fell and broke the wrist on her other hand. Oh, so she's not gonna be able to do much for herself for a while. <laughs> so let's pray for all of that. Father, we love you and we thank you for your great, great unconditional love for us. Right now, we just take a moment, Lord. You've said to us to cast our cares upon you. So we're going to do that right now. Just name your cares to the Lord. Anxiety about surgeries, we cast that upon you. On behalf of Rosalie and Christina, Lord, and Rosemary and her wrists and hand, Lord, and her healing that she needs and her functioning over the next several weeks as they heal, we cast those anxieties for you for the Brady family as they deal with Hannah's disease and the anxieties that that causes. On their behalf, we cast these cares upon you, Jesus. We look to you for answers we look to you for the right doctors, the right medicines, the right everything that could bring your healing power, Dr. Jesus, into the lives of Christina and Rosalie, Jean, Diane, Hannah, and Rosemary. And then for Danielle's family and children, Lord, we thank you that you are the father of the fatherless and the, and the widows and the orphans. Father, you, you take care of the orphans, Jesus. And we thank you for prepare, pr bringing whatever these kids need, Lord, to help them now and throughout their lives. Father, we love you. We give you glory. We're thankful for your goodness. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, all right. Well, everybody, thank you for being here today. God bless you. Have a tremendous rest of your Sunday and a great week. And uh, for those of you that have joined us by live stream, thank you for doing so. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Be sure if you have any needs during the week that you would like to share, if you'd like additional prayer, if you'd like to go get a cup of, uh, of coffee and just chat, reach out to us. On our website, you'll find our, all of our contact information. And uh, we would love to visit with you. Also, since we are back fully uh, meeting in public now without any restrictions, we are uh, mask-free and social distancing uh, free, and you can hug and touch and love one another. So we invite you to come back into the sanctuary, into that common communion that uh, is highlighted by God's presence when we celebrate communion together and share the word and break bread. So we'd enjoy having you with us. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. See you next Sunday.